Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, buttoned up. You ready for Brian Kelly in two hours? Yes, I got up and showered and dressed uh, early and got the tidbits on the site, and I'm ready for uh, Brian Kelly, two and a half yes, hours uh, away. Hard, hard-working site we have here. Um, wearing button-ups at home, ready to answer your questions in this mailbag, po- mailbag podcast. Uh, before we get started, uh, again, $1 for a year on the site. Become a subscriber. You can submit your questions. You get a ton of information, uh, which we have been uh, rolling out for about two and a half months, Shay. So um, we're settled in on the site and uh, good to go. So, all right. Do uh, you have the questions up or do you want to get I've got them up. All right. All right. Obviously, LSU coming off a – 13 to 10 win at Arkansas. The spread set at three points all week. Maddie B. Everybody asked why. It's because Vegas knows everything, guys. And they were right. Actually, this I think it, I think it ballooned to like six whenever KJ was uh, Jefferson was ruled out right before the game, and then obviously they played a little uh, not musical chairs. They just played two different quarterbacks, and things yeah. didn't go right for them. But uh, not a shocker. But uh, LSU wins. LSU. Then right when they landed, actually found out they were SEC West champions because Alabama beat Ole Miss in a very tight game. And LSU will now face Georgia, who won on Saturday night. So book your tickets to Atlanta, guys. Maddie B and I will be there. We are booking our tickets today. So we'll see many of you in December. And, uh, yeah, that sets the stage. You know where we're at now. Let's do a little mailbagging. Uh, Mr. Virgo, what factors do you think played a role in the offense playing so terribly against Arkansas, or was it just an off game? Matty B, 284 total yards, notably passing yards, 86, held under 100. I'll let you give your thoughts. I thought Auburn and Arkansas gave LSU fits in a similar way, which I thought Arkansas just had a really good game plan. I think Barry Odom was a very good D.C., and I think you brought up a good point on the post-game pod. I think you're allowed to have bad games, obviously, but I do also think that Jaden Daniels, two turnovers in the first, what, three possessions, as you noted, Matty yeah. B, that's not something he's dealt with this year, and I think that probably got in his head a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that kind of set set the tone to where he didn't want to be the reason they lost the game, and so you might have seen him hesitate on some throws that he's been making the past few weeks. Um, yeah, we, we talked about on the post game pod. I thought Arkansas's game plan was really, really solid. Um, and Arkansas kind of won the line of scrimmage, um, in, in a lot of downs, which surprised us, right? I think that's kind of the main thing is for the past few weeks, we've looked at LSU's offensive line as being one of the most impressive, you know, units on the team, even with the two freshmen, even with uh, Dellinger out. And now, you know, going into this game where they moved Drew Sanders around, they were able to really hit with the pass rush um, effectively. I think that kind of also unsettled Daniels even more. So it was a lot of things. I do think it was an off game, but it is concerning. Obviously, you know, moving forward into a Texas A&M game and then theoretically a conference championship game, you want to be playing a lot much better than you were. So you want to take this UAB game as very seriously and try to fix it. It's about a two touchdown spread in the UAB game right now. Uh, 14, 15 points. If you get a few points for playing at home, I guess you could call it probably a little under a three touchdown spread. So expectations are you win. You'd like to see them clean some things up. But again, we have 
I think this just because they just they had a bad game. I don't think anybody thinks LSU's a juggernaut on offense, and that because of that, you're susceptible to playing poorly at times. And look, they're not going to give up seven sacks a game. Yeah, there were times that game that looked a little kind of like the beginning of. I mean. Malik Neighbors drops a ball that hits him right in the hands, you know, that could have moved the chains on one drive. Uh, I think we, I, this is an excuse. I think it's reality. I think it's 30 something degrees and playing on a field that had iced up overnight and guys just, you know, you just yeah. are a little tensed up, playing a little differently. You're the hunted now and not the hunter. We called it a trap game, whatever you want to say. If you don't believe in trap games, it's just a tough game. Every SEC West game is a tough game, especially on the road. So like, I don't I don't think LSU is immune from bad games. And, and that was not a great game. So. And I also said after the after the Alabama after the Alabama game in the press box when we were doing the postgame pod, I said this team isn't good enough just to roll the ball out and go beat Arkansas, you know, and AM to end the season. Yeah, they still have to execute at an incredibly high level, in my opinion, because that's what this team has done this whole season. Like that's what it's taken game in, game out to win games they've had to execute. And so it's still the case against UAB. It's still the case against AM, And uh, that's what they're going to have to clean up. Uh, we kind of plays into this next question. We can open up even more. Uh, Cairo Tiger asked, we're SEC West champs. Given the low expectations we all had to begin the year, what's the main reason this team has had so much success? Some talking heads say it's a down year in the SEC. I'm not buying that. My opinion, the coaching staff knows how to adapt and adjust. They do a great job coaching that type of guidance. Um, I think that they know how to win, and I think that counts for something. Uh, and Brian Kelly's talked about that a lot this year. They fight. We saw that from the opener against Florida State when they fell behind and, and crawled their way, clawed it, however you want to say, back into it. To Auburn on the road, to falling behind against State at home, to – Bama, I mean, there's just been games where they had to claw their way either back into it or in a back and forth game or this Arkansas game where it's like nothing's going. You got to lean on the defense. I think, A, I think they know how to win, um, which is impressive for a team that wasn't much of a team. It was just a collection of new coaches and transfers and true freshmen and all these different things. Um, But I also think, too, there's a buy-in that Brian Kelly talked about from the start of doing things the right way, being held accountable. Uh, Look, I talked to some coaches around LSU after the Arkansas game, and they were thrilled with the win. And they said, look, this is – we weren't expecting to be perfect this year, but this team just keeps going out there and fighting. And way more often than not, they end up being the team that wins at the end of the day. I think there's credit to the staff. I think that there's credit to the players. I think it's everybody. This is um, kind of a true – concerted effort from a collection of individuals to, Hey, let's focus on one game at a time. And if we can win that one game, that puts us in a good spot to move forward. And it's worked for them. I mean, only two losses on the year and one of them being in week one is not so shabby. Yeah. I was not too shabby. Um, Just from a coaching perspective, how much they've been able to improve this roster and improve like each individual unit as the season goes on. Like if you think about it, Think how much the quarterback position has progressed. Think about the offensive line receiver, which was, I mean, I don't want to say it was a question mark at times, but it was, you know, trying to get the most out of the talent you have. I feel like they've done a pretty good job of that with this offense. And then defense side of the ball, 
Mason Smith goes down, they get the most out of Mikhail Wingo in that defensive line, getting the most out of the linebackers, figuring out what combinations work. Secondary, you know, is a bunch of transfers. They've done a really good job there. I just think the overall improvement and the overall, like you said, buy-in, I think has, has been huge for this team. I don't, I definitely don't think it's been a down year. And even if it was a down year, they still played Tennessee from the East division, right? It's not like they played Florida and Vanderbilt, right? They played Florida and Tennessee. So, I mean, you have to play Tennessee, Ole Miss, Alabama, you know, Florida, and then Arkansas and m So it's, it's, no, it's it's still a very very. Uh, yeah, and I don't buy into a down year because the only thing that makes it a down year is that if Alabama wasn't good, are they not as good as they normally are? Maybe, but they've only lost two games, and it was to LSU and Tennessee. Still a very good team. Tennessee's very, and very both good. those games came down to the very last play. So I mean, heck, SEC is going to have four of the top seven now: Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Tennessee. Yeah, I don't so, think it's a down. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's a down. And then here. Ole Miss is uh, really good. So, um, yeah, I agree with Cairo. I, I don't buy into it being a down year. Uh, Nola fan thirty three. Safe assumption: Peyton Todd replaces Bramplett next season as the punter. Uh, do y'all have any intel on how he's progressed in his two years at LSU? In y'all's opinion, which incoming freshman will make the biggest impact for the team next season? Um, I haven't heard much on the punting situation. Um. I, would Bramlett, I think is a super senior. I'd have to check yeah. on that if he had any eligibility to come back. Um, but Peyton Todd would seem to be in line to be the replacement. I think he was injured a good bit his first year and just transitioned to being a full-time punter. He played multiple spots at West Monroe, including defense. So I think that first year, last year, was getting healthy, settling into being a punter. They bought themselves some time with Bramplett, and Todd would presumably be the heir apparent. But um, we'll have to see if this is it for Bramplett or not. I'd have to check and see how many years he was at Notre Dame for to know for sure there. Yeah. Um, then he asked about next year, the freshman make the biggest impact. We've talked a ton about this. I think it's Deshaun Womack. I think BJ Jolari is probably off to the NFL draft and that edge spot opens up and there's some talented guys there that you could put, but I like Womack a lot. I think he's going to play a lot next year. I think Savion Jones has some versatility to play along the defensive line, so you don't have to stick him at that edge spot. Um, Maddie B, I don't know what your thoughts are on life after B.J. Ojolari in this defense. Deshaun Womack was my favorite defensive line commit that they have when I did the when I watched the tape. Like Womack is he's different than they are. Yeah, yeah he's the best. Womack, Womack to me is the best, and he is the highest rated. So um, I believe he backs that up. Um, Matt, I mean. If we look at like a Mac Markway, if they can get him, uh, or you know, if you can that's get a him, neat spot, of, right? Yeah, tight end. If you, it's a neat spot, uh, depending how they close out the class, there may be some other names there. But Zaylon's um, hurt, maybe. Yeah, Zaylon's hurt. If you want to keep playing freshman offensive linemen, yeah, yeah, just keep rotating freshmen in there. Uh, I mean, you know, corners. I assume they'll hit the transfer portal for a corner too, and then I you do so have too. a couple couple young guys there but you know a guy like dalen austin can confess it's it's dalen hard. Austin I, I wanna, a good choice dalen austin's had a very good senior year yes yes for sure so um i think this is a conversation to have after signing day um just because i feel more comfortable after signing day well and then we'll know after february signing day we'll know which players left yes. transfer yes. draft all that so we'll you'll have a much better feel for where the open spots are on the team so uh, but I like Womack early on. Uh, yes. Russell DeBow, 
We all know about Georgia's D, but how likely is it that the next two teams can replicate the Arkansas defensive success game plan? Matty B, you watched UAB because they played North Texas this weekend. Yeah. And they replicate. Are they good on D? Painful. Uh, I mean, they held my North Texas at 21 points. Uh, Yeah, it's – um. I think UAB, they have some talent. UAB has always been a really, really good Conference USA team. Like, they've consistently won eight games most years. Uh, this year, they are a little down. They're 5-5. Five and five. Uh, But they did play Liberty close. They have some fluky close losses. Um, UAB, I, I don't think can win the line of scrimmage the way Arkansas did. Uh, but I do – I think 14 and a half. I, I would have had the spread at probably around, like, 17 or so. Uh, so, I'm not – terribly mad at 14 but yeah i think they should be okay against uab the a&m game is interesting i mean uab i'm sorry auburn defense has not been their issue yeah auburn a&m was like 7-0 through the third quarter pretty much i don't even i i didn't watch that game but it's like teams aren't like dropping 100 on them for the most part so no a&m's defense is not the issue and they've got some very good players in the front seven really along the defensive line Golly, I, mean, I, I think yeah, with AM too, Matty B, it's like when you get to that point in the season, who for AM still playing? I mean, they've yeah. had guys sitting out, they've had guys getting the flu, they've had guys getting they didn't allow Moose Muhammad to go into the game evidently because he wouldn't take off his armbands or like sleeves or whatever. So oh it's a mess God. over there. To pre- to predict what AM could do in two weeks from now. <clears throat> would be a lot because you don't even know what AM's up to against UMass this weekend. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I do think AM's got a good D, and certainly they could attempt to replicate that, but you would hope that LSU then can counter it with knowing, hey, look, we've run into two teams that defended us this way and we didn't have much success with it. And how do we get away from that? So, I, I think it starts on the off. I think it starts on the offensive line. I think the offensive line can play, will play better than what it did against Arkansas. And I think that'll go from there. And it's not unrealistic to think that we saw them play a lot better in that versus Bama, who you would think has more talent than Arkansas does in the front seven. Um, Bourbon and Cheerios, when are we building the Josh Williams statue? No doubt. The man do not – the Harold Perkins flu game, but Josh Williams, a career-high 122 yards and a touchdown, massive for them. No word on the statue, but I'm right there with you, brother. Uh, Okay, here's a good question. Man, hasn't been asked in a while. I'll let you take it. True. Bourbon and Cheerios, is this just a lost year for Jack Besh at this point? This is a guy that was in the top two in both major statistical categories a year ago as a receiver. I'll let he you basically look up doesn't the, play. Yeah. I'll let you look up the stats while I do it because I honestly don't even have the stats. I haven't looked at his stats in a minute. Um, lost year. I mean, it has to be called that, right? Because he's not injured. He's been healthy. He's uh been on the field at times he just doesn't get the ball thrown to him and there have been it's clear to me that Jaden Daniels is comfortable doing what he's comfortable doing if that makes sense like he's comfortable throwing the ball to Malik Neighbors and Keishon Butte like and Mason Taylor Mason Taylor is is, is in there as well uh, but I think Mason Taylor was kind of ingrained in his head from from uh, training camp so you have those three guys we have not seen a bunch of other guys really emerge as being a third or fourth receiver. Jare Jenkins had a good start to the year. Hasn't had many receptions since then. Brian Thompson played last week, but still similar thing there. Jack best. Just the hard part is 
I wanted Jack Best to play the Mason Taylor snaps early in the season, and now Mason Taylor has been significantly better. So you don't even have – I can't even justify that argument anymore. And then it felt like when, after he fumbled the kickoff against Tennessee, we haven't seen him again. But he well, got on, hurt, and yeah, then he's he got missed hurt, the game. And... and he's playing. I'm not saying he's not playing, but it just felt like at that moment, after that point, it was just like, all right, well, Jack Best is on the back burner. Um, here are your stats, uh, and I'll give you catches, yards, touchdowns, yes. um, which is surprising here. You talk about leaning on neighbors and Butte. I'm not sure if I would – God, if you would have made me guess this, I would have probably even been wrong on Butte. Neighbors and Butte both have one touchdown this year. Crazy. Crazy. Wild. Uh, neighbors, 44 catches, 528, one touchdown. Kayshawn, 38 for 388, one touchdown. Dre, touchdown machine over here, 21 catches, 292 and five. Brian Thomas, 22, 80 and three. Then you mentioned Mason Taylor, 22 catches, which would be one above, one to two above Dre and Brian Thomas for 214 and two. And then you get into like Kyron Lacey, 16 catches for 150. Um, Besh does have a touchdown. Besh has as many touchdowns as Boutte and Neighbors. How about that? Just only has 10 targets. So, I think he's just behind those guys. He's behind Kyron Lacey. So Kyron Lacey plays a good bit more than Jack Besh does. Dre's so. touchdowns. Yeah, Dre's touchdowns this year. He had two against Florida State, one against Mississippi State, one against Florida, one against Ole Miss. Yeah. Dre's your touchdown guy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be real about it. Uh, oh, man, we should have had Billy on the pod here. Nah, he would have maybe not given a biased opinion or unbiased opinion on this. We'll let you do it. Is the coach of the year down to, and I don't know if it's just down to these guys, but let, let you pick, Sonny Dykes or Brian Kelly? I wonder if Hypel's in that discussion. Um, sure. But, yeah, I, I, I have that group um, just off the top Is of my Kirby head. Is Kirby in that discussion? <sighs> you know. I'll I mean, coach, they lost a ton of guys to the NFL draft. No, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, it's, it's just coach of the year is always, like, who exceeds expectations to a degree, you know? So – if, and that is whether you like it or not, kind of the criteria. Um, yeah, I think it's Dykes, BK, and Hypel probably would be the top three. However, you want to sort that out. If BK beats UAB and A and M, um, you probably would need Dykes to lose a game in the regular season to to win that award. Uh, but if I mean, if LSU goes into the SEC championship game at ten and two, and TCU lost a game, like if they lose to Baylor this week. I mean, yeah, it could be BK, and that would be a uh, well deserved, well deserved. No but Dykes has been, Dykes has been awesome at TCU as well. Uh, bogeys or Freds? I'll take this one. I was a Bogeys man forever in my day, but now Freds is all the rage. I guess. Yeah, I'm, Shaq's uh, not going to Bogeys anymore. Shaq's going to. I Freds. guess not. Yeah, but I was always a Bogeys guy, so I'll stand there. Um, let's see, Liger nine. What is the likelihood that Jaden Daniels returns to LSU for a second season? When throughout the offseason, might we have a confirmation on the decision? He's really flashed in games, but lacks NFL consistency at this point. Honestly, I think we might know something this weekend. It's senior night, and if he doesn't take part in senior night, I think that's telling. And I have heard that he may not take part in senior night. So, Does that, does that happen a lot? For for LSU, uh, where juniors that are probably going to the pros participate? Well, he's, I guess, too, he's a senior, but then he's got – eligibility left so we've seen it before there's been guys who 
didn't go on senior night and then it became evident that they were wanting to come back or at least entertaining it. Uh, but we'll see Saturday night at 8 p.m., which is a ridiculous kickoff. But I have heard rumblings that that he's expected to return. I don't think that's a big shock. Like, even Gary Danielson, I think it was the Ole Miss, Ole Miss game, game, maybe yeah. said Ole on the broadcast that, like, and they had sat down with Jaden during the week that he was like, oh, yeah, he's coming back. So, like, I don't think I, mean, I don't think Jaden's name is popping up on any NFL draft boards at the moment. And that would be the only reason to leave and not take your final year of eligibility. My my question and is if, like, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, if he's progressed, like we've seen this year, a whole nother year off season with Sloan and Den Brock and Kelly and the staff, and then rapport with this team, I would think would only put him in a spot to have more success. So I do, I do not expect Jane Daniels to go pro. I expect Jane Daniels to be back. My question, um, separate question to that. Uh, Cause I, that's what I'm kind of, you brought it up and I'm interested in. So is like BJ Ojolari going to participate in senior night? That's what I was going to say. We more often see guys who are underclassmen who will probably Kayshawn. like go run out there and do something, even if it's not with their parents or whatever to have that final run out. So Kayshawn Ojolari would be guys I would put into that mix of, okay. they're not seniors, but it's probably their last home game. So then they do something, but that was that was in the less than the O era. I don't. We'll see how BK handles that because okay, this will be his first senior night. But yeah, I would Ojolari, Butte, guys like that that you're expecting are not coming back that are just juniors and wouldn't even be participating in senior night. Um, are they out there? Do they do something? So we'll keep an eye on it. Um, yeah, be something to watch this weekend. Uh, CAF 12 is Tassilia Kana first on the phone if Mickens flips to Ohio State. It's a recruiting question, but it's an easy one. Um, Mickens took a, is committed to LSU, took a visit to Ohio State this weekend, got offered. Now is going to go back for an official visit for the Michigan-Ohio State game. I would think that like it makes sense for both edge rushers, but LSU's got four total edge rushers now. And Howard, Womack, we talked about being an instant impact guy, Dylan Carpenter in Louisiana, and then Joshua Mickens. And they would still take Akana right now. So I don't think they're tied together. If Akana commits, they would take him even if Mickens sticks. And if Mickens doesn't stick, then maybe you do push for Akana a little bit more. But they're already recruiting him pretty heavily. So I think regardless, they're after him there. Uh, Funky Bunch, 10. Safe to say Daniels plays better against man defense. Uh, or was Arkansas success due to blitz and pass rush? Hoping Denrock can just adjust moving forward to avoid teams emulating the same defense approach Arkansas has success with. We touched on the emulation part of it a second ago, but uh, your thoughts? Does Daniels just play better against man defense? Um, it might. I think it's easier for his reads. Like you know, can like in. I don't want to simplify it too much, but we saw at times in the Alabama game, right? Is like, all right, did Malik beat his man? Did did Kayshawn beat Eli Ricks? Like it was kind of simplified those things. Whereas Arkansas, once they kind of started taking away some of the shorter stuff, it forced him, I think, into processing a lot more stuff. And he was already uncomfortable in that situation, uh, in that game, I should say. And so then the zone kind of, I think, got to him at that point. There were some moments where, in my opinion, there were just not many people open. Or if they were open, you had to hit them on time, on target, and he just wasn't comfortable in that game. So it's, um, you know, I, at this point in the year, all defenses know what they are and what they can and can't do at a high level. So I'm not expecting – I'm not expecting AM to look at Arkansas and be like, all right, we're going to re- replicate that exactly. Or 
and Georgia, you know, God knows Georgia's going to do whatever, what they do. So um, I, I think for the most part, it's just about Denbrock and Daniels learning from that game and, you know, going forward, making the right adjustments, figuring out how they're going to um, handle, I think more than anything, handle a pass rush that beats an offensive line that we haven't had to worry about that in weeks past, right? We, the offensive line has been really good. So if that happens again, how can they counter it? Set it off, Mike. Do you expect surprise visitors for the last home game of the season? Um, not any surprises. You don't really have many surprises for like a non-con game, like especially at this point in the season when a lot of guys are playing high school football in the playoffs and all that. Yeah. Uh, they get kind of dialed in. But uh, Jordan Hall is a defensive lineman, and Pimba is another defensive lineman that uh, are still out there, uncommitted, that have talked about visiting for this game. So they wouldn't be surprised, but it'd be notable if they actually showed up. So. Uh, we will keep an eye on that throughout the week. Uh, Bayou Tiger 22. Do you think the offense Saturday was stale due to play calling, weather, or personnel? I was looking, and I thought I heard them say we ran the ball 50-plus times, which is crazy. We didn't seem to take advantage of their weakness, which was their secondary. Um, I guess if you're including Daniel's dropbacks, which weren't passes as runs, they had 51 runs, so yeah, it'd be over 50. But a career-high run for Josh Williams with 19 and I think it was something we talked to some about this already on the pod. I think weather did play an issue. I think play calling does play an issue. I think personnel wise, they just didn't play well in the offensive line. Like when you, yes, Arkansas's weakness was a secondary, but Barry Odom masked it really well because they sacked him seven times and did enough on Butte and neighbors to where they weren't wide open all game long. Um, you've got Daniels, two turnovers in the first quarter. They're blitzing you all game. It's cold. You just can't get anything going. I wish they would have run it more than 51 times. You know, I was screaming all third and fourth quarter, just run it Josh Williams on every single play. I agree. Um, I mean, I, we, we've talked about a good amount. I'm going to skip to the end of his uh, second question. He says where he's like, where he asked if um, Jane Daniels is struggling with confidence. He says, seems to be a week to week battle with his confidence. I mean, we had just seen multiple games in a row. Basically, every game since the Auburn game, I mean, I think he was fine in the Tennessee game too, but like since the Tennessee game, we've seen him be nothing but confident, decisive, and on time. So I wouldn't say it's a week-to-week thing. I think this was the first time since the Tennessee game that he has maybe struggled with that, even though I don't think the Tennessee game, he was that bad. I agree. And he's got, you mentioned this on the post game. He has like 40-something college starts now. Like we have not seen him rattled at any point until maybe this past weekend, and I think it was – like you said, he turns the ball over twice coming out of the gates in the first quarter. You're in a tight game. You're not getting anything going. And he didn't want to lose it for him. So then he becomes a little bit more hesitant. And you can pull that back out of him through film study this week and just resetting things and getting back at home, playing UAB and moving forward. So I'm not worried about Jane Daniels at all. We He's not going to be a Heisman guy every weekend for you. Like, you know what he is. And right now, more often than not, he's been very good for you. So yeah. you're going to get games like that. Uh, LSU, Houston, or HOU. Uh, were there other players afflicted with the flu or other sickness besides Perkins? Uh, that's, I mean, not that it's like an excuse. I think a lot of guys are sick right now. Hell, me, it was the Matty B flu game. Yeah. I was sick the week prior. Every, I think everybody's sick right now, everybody's especially sick. it's just going around everybody's locker rooms too. And I don't think it'd be enough to, to worry about it moving forward. Uh, will Brian Thomas be available for Tamu? I don't know. We'll have to ask Brian Kelly about that today. We're recording this yeah. before the Brian Kelly presser, and 
he obviously was a no-go at Arkansas, uh, but I'm not sure what's up with him. Um, as Jack Besh, been, okay, we answered that one, hit with the injury bug. He was hit with the injury bug a couple times, but he's also back out there. Yeah. Uh, lack of usage, or is it just a top five of Butte neighbors, Jenkins, BTJ, and Kyron Lacey? I think you hit a nail on the head. I think that they're playing five. Yeah, then I think they're just playing five receivers ahead of him at this point. Then that's clearly what's happening. Um, BK Utah Tiger uh, ESQ. I don't know if that's like Esquire or what. Uh, BK seemed to indicate that Arky had our offense figured out Saturday and we didn't have adjustments. Do you think BK and Denbrock are able to add some new wrinkles over the next few weeks? Again, I don't think it's a worry. I mean, yeah, you can always be better at in-game adjustments and now look at that and say we've run into a couple of teams that have defended us this way. Here's what we want to do. I just think you're allowed to have a bad game. It's what it is. Yeah, and I, I said this in the postgame pod. It felt like they came out expecting to be able to throw the ball all over Arkansas. And the they first tried drives, it, yeah. The first two drives didn't go how they, how they thought it was going to go. And so then they eventually changed up and started running the ball more to, and had some success there. So it's just about kind of getting that footing back and uh, being able to adjust maybe a little bit quicker. Uh, why no real uh, TP Tiger? Why no wheel routes or dump offs to Emory that worked big time in other games? I can't remember the play that he fumbled on. I guess his knee was down, where I felt like everybody was watching it and is familiar with the team and Emory when he was running in the open field. It was like, hold on to that football, here they come. And sure enough, it was bang, popped right out. I can't remember if that was a handoff or a dump off, but I know a lot of people are just saying, like, look, you gave up all these sacks, run more screens, run more short stuff. I would say we got through this whole chat. No one's even said anything. I don't think Mason Taylor had a target in the game, and he's usually your safety valve on the underneath. Um, certainly didn't have a catch. I'm not sure if he had a target. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think that they can look at that and say, hey, look, here's what we wish we would have done. I also think they just got in a spot where they're like, we just need to run the football. And when they did have pass plays called a number of times, they had procedural penalties that then back you up, and then you're really all out of sync. So – yeah, I'm with you. I, I like the I like the Emory stuff, the wheel routes, all that. And I think we'll see more of it. I agree. Uh, Grape Swish. Uh, do we have a shot to beat UGA or is this Avengers in game one and 14 million type of thing? The more I think about it, the more hopeless I feel. I would look at the SEC championship a lot like I've looked at this season when they've had success. Whatever happens, happens. Did you expect to beat Alabama? No, you were double digit underdogs and you beat them. So Crazier things can happen. Yeah. I know she's um, not as good as Georgia. There's not an expectation that they should go out there and beat them, but that's why you play the game. I think there's not much pressure on it. Even if a college football playoff berth is on the line, potentially, I'm not sure unless she's feeling a ton of pressure in that game. I think they just have to go out and execute. Yeah, there should be zero pressure at this point. And obviously in the moment, everybody's going to, you know, want to beat Georgia and all that stuff. But, um, I, I think it's gonna be tough, personally. I mean, I but I what do I know? I thought they I thought Alabama was gonna win too. So, uh, you know, like you said, that's why they play the game. I definitely think Georgia's a different animal than Alabama and Tennessee. But uh, you get to that point, everything else is icing. I mean, ten and if you if they are ten and two going into the SEC championship game with a potential hypothetical uh, playoff berth on the line. You cannot ask for anything more in this. And if they're ten and two going into that game and lose to Georgia, they're playing in a New Year's Six game, which is far cry from anything anyone thought was possible. So, I uh, I am with you. 
Uh, Bingo Bandit, Brandy dropped those predictions for the final spots in the signing class. You know Matty B ain't doing that. Hey, man. Hey, hey I don't want him. Hey. You, know, you ain't ready for Matty B's predictions. Y'all don't want him. <laughs> uh, three Little Birds, how does this class finish? Actual names, please. Can use probably – okay, that's a recruiting pod question. Uh, NIL, Derek Williams, recruiting pod. Desmond Ricks, NIL, recruiting pod. Are these things happening behind the scenes that are exciting? We've had a womp, womp finish to recruiting in most of the recent years. I disagree there. You signed Harold Perkins on signing day last year. What yeah. do you womp, womp it about? Uh, will we finish stronger, womp, womp? Oh, man, three little birds. Getting nervous. Yeah, man. We'll talk, we'll talk about a lot of that tomorrow with Billy on the recruiting pod, but yep. I think they'll finish fine. Last one, bourbon and Cheerios. Do you need to wait until after Thanksgiving to put up Christmas lights? I mean, most people put them up mid to early November, I would think. What are you a Christmas That's lights aggressive. person? Are yeah. You? Okay. Not till after Thanksgiving. Okay. Okay. I, I think aggressive. my parents are that way too. If you're playing Christmas music around the house and you've got lights up in the middle of November, you need to put more effort into your job. <laughs> Your family time, hobbies. Oh my Anything. god, people get <laughs> hey, you don't like do Christmas that, spirit man. in November? November fifteenth? No. Dang. The people that and here's what really makes me mad. The people that are so responsible but that they've already gotten all their like Christmas shopping done. Oh, that that frustrates you. That's aggressive. That is so aggressive. <laughs> I'm paying for expedited shipping out here on December twentieth, and you guys are <laughs> buying in the summer oh my god that's funny that's all right i think that's it oh wait all right oh wait i did skip one because i know that uh yeah rhcp 93 when we see walker howard against uab i don't know you got to be comfortably in control of the game to get i just want to win the game howard so Uh, i don't know you would hope uh, i I, like i said like i think we talked i think there was a, a a thread of this on our board Man, you just approach this game just like every other SEC game. Like, you do not approach this game that much differently. Because honestly, I don't know how much worse UAB is than AM. Like, if we're being if we're being real, well, like UAB ain't Southern, where you've you can exactly get three quarterbacks into the game. Like, it took Nussmeyer going in and turning it over multiple times to get Howard into the game. UAB's not even. I mean, they're better than New Mexico. Like. It's this is you know it's I'm not saying UAB is is gonna threaten to beat LSU by any means, but this isn't like some awful you know this isn't FIU this you can go down the list this isn't UMass who A and M's playing this is a decent program that has been really really good in conference USA year after year has some good bodies on the offensive line has put guys in the pros um, and I think has talent that you need to you know, account for. So, and I'll they got back back last week. So in the Southern game, Walker Howard got in, took a sack, but didn't even, attempt yeah, they just to ran pass. the ball. They just ran the ball. So even if Walker Howard gets in the game, I don't think he's throwing it. They're not like, if Walker Howard gets in the game, they're up big and they're not out there slinging it around just exactly. because they want to see what happens. So I don't, Look, don't expect it. Get this, get the offense right against a really solid UAB defense and go from there. That's all That's all my focus is. Get the offense right, get some confidence, and then go into A&M because um, I just can't imagine approaching this UAB game like they're Southern or like they're even like they're New Mexico. This team is significantly better than both of those teams. So 
We'll see. That's it. And that's all. That's it. There we go. Um, let me put the hat on. Um, that's all we got for y'all today. Like Shay said, we'll have the recruiting podcast out tomorrow. Um, Brian Kelly Presser at 12 o'clock today. Uh, that'll be up on our channel as well. So check that out. And uh, yeah, I mean, subscribe to the Bengal Tire for $1. You can send in questions. I mean, you know, all those recruiting questions y'all asked actually, in my opinion, have been answered on the board several times over, whether it's names, class predictions, all that good stuff. And well, and we, me and Billy have class predictions dropping today, both of us noon on Monday. So by the time you're listening to it, it's probably already up. Peep it. I didn't even check the planner. Didn't even know it wasn't on there. This is a surprise. (laughs) I think think we got bullied in. We got bullied into it by people on the board last week. And like, (laughs) screw it. We'll just do so on Monday. So that's funny. That's funny. All right. Well, that's all we have for y'all today. Uh, Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. That we greatly appreciate it. Leave a like, comment, share uh, with a friend as well. Um, Follow us on Twitter. All that good stuff. We appreciate the support. And we will talk to y'all later.